Welcome, Foxborough football fans, to the latest and always greatest edition of Six Rings and Football Things, a presentation of WEEI-FM in Boston, Odyssey, and 2400 Sports. Boy, do we have a doozy of a Pats preview pod for you guys today. It's your old pals Nick Fitzy Stevens alongside Andy Jumbo Hart, and we're going to go right behind enemy lines to get things started today. Joining us from the side of the road because he was so fired up to get into this episode and help preview this game between the worst red zone offense against the worst red zone defense <laughs> that he's like, I'm going to pull over by the side of the road and talk to these guys. He's so fired up. He's the co-host of Wolf and Luke weekdays, 10 to 2 Mountain Time on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports. And he is the pre and post game for the Arizona Cardinals as well as the Coyotes. Uh, Andy, we are joined today by Mr. Luke Lipinski. What up, Luke? Thanks for joining us. What's going on, guys? How you doing up there? Uh, have you seen Have you seen our <laughs> offense? <laughs> well, I mean, you're talking to somebody who lives in Phoenix who just saw the Celtics last night and oh. is going to have to deal with the Bruins tomorrow. So I'm, I'm just kind of getting, um, I don't know, I'm getting used to Boston sports here for the next few days. Are you kind of getting mass-holed right now? Like you're just like, enough of you, you insufferable people. The game last night wasn't great. I will give you that from a uh, from a Phoenix Suns perspective. That's what, for sure. What wasn't happened? Great. It was forty five points at one point, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, I mean, that's not great. NBA. <laughs> I know, and and it was funny, you know, because because Luke, that you know, no one is ever going to sympathize with a Boston sports fan after the last twenty some odd years, like the century of dominance. It's entitled town, the championships, duck boats, etc. Um, but I feel like we are now officially in. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Andy, but Boston sports is sort of in the this is why you can't have nice things phase of our existence because it's a night where the Bruins dominate the Colorado Avalanche. It's a night where the Celtics dominate the Phoenix Suns. And you're thinking like, all right, here we go. Building a little momentum, feeling ourselves. Here we go. And then everyone's favorite member of the Red Sox goes and signs a ridiculous deal with the San Diego Padres. So it's like you can get two nice things, but we're going to take something better from you. Yeah, by the way, thanks for letting that guy venture over to the NL West, too. That'll make things even worse for the Diamondbacks. Okay, so let's stick with the negativity here. Um, yes, let's do it. As you notice, it works for us. Yeah, we do a little negative. Um, which of the quarterbacks and offenses and offensive play callers are more dysfunctional? Because over the last couple of weeks, we've seen both of these two quarterbacks in this game screaming at either their play caller, their receivers, the sidelines, F-bombs. We know Mac Jones is not happy. We know he has regressed. What the hell is going on with Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury, and that offense? Uh, I mean, it's a much different relationship here, obviously, because, and, you know, Cliff Kingsbury has told us this in the past when things were going well. It's it's more of a new age, peer-to-peer -peer relationship between the coach, who's really not that old, and the quarterback, uh, as opposed to having Mac Jones and Bill Belichick, I'm sure. So it, it's... It's just a different dynamic here, and when it's working, when you're seven and zero and ten and two like they were last year, everybody's like, "Oh, that's cool! Look how well that works." <laughs> when you can't win a game and you've won five of your last eighteen, which they have now, dating back to the end of last season, you know, people have been asking questions here really since the Chiefs game in Week One of, of how this is working. And I don't think it's as simple as it's the coach's fault or it's the quarterback's fault. I think there's a lot of stuff going wrong here, and you're starting to see some tension. I, I don't think. Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury have a bad relationship, but I think you're starting to see tension because they just they haven't won two games in a row since I, I, last November, I believe. Wow. Uh, no. So, what would you say is at the center of the Cardinals' inability 
to win consistently or play up to the level of their talent. Because I think in New England, we would kill for a wide receiver one as good as as Hopkins is. And he's looked fantastic since he came back. Um, Cliff Kingsbury's air raid system, when everything goes right, seems to work very well. Last year, that offense seemed unstoppable. And at times in recent year, it has. But, you know, dis dysfunction seems to permeate the organization and it's palpable in both franchises, but specifically what is getting in the way of the Cardinals being more consistently successful? I think you, you've seen a few things this year. You mentioned DeAndre Hopkins has been great since he came back, but he wasn't here the first six weeks and they could have used him then. And we have yet to see an offense. You know, it's funny, Steve Kime takes a lot of criticism down here, the GM, and and some of it is, you know, some of it's warranted. They, they haven't drafted well consistently. And so when you have injuries, the depth issues become exposed and they have this year. But he did put together an offense that was supposed to have DeAndre Hopkins and Hollywood Brown and Rondale Moore and Zach Ertz and Kyler Murray. And we've never seen them all on the field together at the same time, not once. We just finally saw Hollywood Brown and DeAndre Hopkins on the field together in their last game against the Chargers. But Rondale Moore and Zach Ertz are already hurt. So I think that's a big part of it that kind of gets overlooked down here. 80% of the starting offensive line is, is out and, and probably done most of them for the year. So that's part of it. But we haven't seen Kyler Murray take the next step this year. And I think realistically, some of that falls on injuries, but some of it falls on coaching and some of it falls on Kyler Murray, too. And I don't think it's a lack of effort. I just think for whatever reason, it's not all coming together. This team was built to win games with offense and their offense really hasn't won them any of their games this year. So one of the biggest weaknesses on the Patriots defense has been dealing with mobile quarterbacks, guys that can run, obviously Lamar Jackson and then that stunning win for the Bears and Justin Fields kind of breakout game at Gillette Stadium. I know Kyler Murray can run, but it seems like more often than not, it's out of scramble situations. Do you think there's a chance maybe they do what the Bears did and say, listen, these guys can't stop a mobile quarterback. We're going to run Kyler Murray on designed runs, options, things of that nature. Um, <laughs> honestly, they probably should. <laughs> I don't think that they will. For whatever reason, that seems to be a thing that has gone away over the last couple of years where and it's the great mystery down here. Are they trying to be protective of him? They don't want to run Kyler Murray because they don't want to risk injury. Is there hesitation by Kyler Murray to run? He had a comment last year where he was like, look, my running should be a luxury. It shouldn't be what the offense is built around. And I agree with that to a certain extent. But when they were rolling last year, he was spreading the ball around, but he was also a threat to just rattle off 30 yards at a time on a run if he had to. It wasn't as much as Justin Fields this year, but it was, hey, it's third and 11. Kyler's going to go back to pass. If there's nothing there, he'll run for 14. That just hasn't been there this year. And I don't, I'm sure some of it is teams taking it away and, and, and trying to prevent that. Obviously, we're seeing that and they're trying to keep him in the pocket. But some of it seems to be more of a hesitation for too much of the offense to center on him running. And right now, that feels like the one thing that teams wouldn't be able to stop. No, the Patriots have had the, the, the in addition to their own self-inflicted wounds from bizarre, if not beyond questionable play calling to penalties, very un-Belichickian things as we've been caught discussing up this way time and again all offseason. The Patriots have a really hard time with mobile quarterbacks. Belichick really has never been able to stymie truly mobile quarterbacks, and I don't think any one of them has ever run like Kyler Murray, who ran 87 yards on that famous two-point conversion against the Raiders earlier this season. That should throw fear throughout the names of all Belichicks and Pats Nation. And they're tough, and they, they can't really cover elite number one receivers like Steph Diggs and Justin Jefferson both have grabbed their lunch and sat down in the middle of the Patriots secondary the past couple of weeks and eaten it. And, and, and there really hasn't been anyone to stop them. So perhaps the Patriots might be what the, what 
cures all the ails of Arizona. But at the same time, what's at the center of this terrible red zone defense? Because, you know, I see I see J.J. Watt, guys like Zayvon Collins, who I wish the Patriots drafted. Buda Baker is a stud at safety. And yet you guys have a dread zone defense. What's that all about? Yeah, you know, the defensive numbers for this team have been, I think, in some ways misleading. At the start of the season, everybody's frustration was that the Cardinals didn't go out and add pieces on defense and free agency. And, you know, the front office is kind of like, look, we, we like some of these young guys we have, like Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons and, and Marco mm-hmm. Wilson and Byron Murphy on the back end. Right. Um, they've been a lot better than advertised this season, but you're right. In the red zone, they have struggled. And some of that is, you know, you look back at the last game against the Chargers, let's say, for instance, you know, it was it was 24-17 Cardinals and the defense gets a stop and the offense goes three and out. And that happened three times in a row. So by the end of the game, when the Chargers finally moved down the field, the Cardinals' last three drives, when they just had to basically run out the clock, three drives totaled three and a half minutes, essentially. So the defense is just, it's it's being asked to do too much this year, and you will see it break down sometimes towards the end of a game, especially especially in the red zone. You're right, that has been an issue for them. So up here, we're obviously calling this a must-win game if the Patriots are going to try to be a playoff team, try to sneak in with a tough schedule down the home stretch. But uh, their struggles so far have brought up the topic of Bill Belichick on the hot seat, you know, what could happen in the offseason. And I'm wondering, uh, is Cliff Kingsbury coaching for his job right now? How much uh, rope does he have to work with right now? It, it hasn't been the most comfortable year. We have Cliff on our show every Monday. And, and what you just asked, word for word, I asked him five weeks ago if he felt like he was coaching for his job. And his response was everybody should feel like they're on the hot seat, not just himself, but, you know, his assistant coaches. Uh, he signed a five-year extension, though, this offseason. So you're talking about he had this year plus five more years. So did Steve Kime. Now you talk to the fan base and they're like, okay, that, that shouldn't matter. Look, this team has regressed. Uh, I don't know if, if ownership will feel the same way. I don't know how much of this is Cliff Kingsbury's fault. I mean, he's got he's to wear some of it, certainly. But there seems to be this perception it's 100% his fault. I don't think that's the case. So I would say, yeah, definitely on the hot seat. I mean, you have Sean Payton talking about how he was a ball boy here in the 80s when they were when the team was in St. Louis and how he would, you know, people make the connections of what could, could he get more out of Kyler Murray. Uh, that's the biggest thing. Who can get the most out of Kyler Murray? So, yeah, I think Cliff is on the hot seat. I don't. I laughed when people thought he might get fired midseason because that was just never going to happen. But if they really run out the rest of the season, these last five games and only win like one or something, that's a huge step back. I think everybody gets looked at. That'd be that would be really rough. And we're hoping and, you know, wondering if they'll make bigger, big changes, whether it comes from coach, who's the de facto GM and personnel manager or ownership in New England as well. I wonder if the fans really think Kyler and Cliff are the answer. Uh, I would say they're split. I would say there seems to be more of a thought that Kyler's the answer. And, you know, anytime anything goes wrong with this team, there's always the perception of, of okay, Cliff never coached in the NFL, so this was bound to happen. And that's, I mean, there's some truth to that, I'm sure. But the Kyler stuff, it, it's two years ago, it was, hey, this guy was number one pick for a reason. Look, look, he can, when he runs, he looks unstoppable. He can, you know, he's great when DeAndre Hopkins is out there. And now I think there's this sense of maybe 11 wins last year was the ceiling for this team. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so are you a Kyler guy? Like, we're dealing with the questions here in New England. It's it's yeah. earlier in the career, but everybody was all in on Mac Jones a year ago after his Pro Bowl rookie season. Now you hear a lot more people saying, oh, maybe we don't have the franchise quarterback. The contract was given to Kyler, but we've heard, you know, the work ethic, the leadership, all the various sort of subplot questions about him. Too do much believe, Call of Duty. <laughs> yeah. Do you believe Kyler Murray's the guy? 
You know, I, I still think it's possible. I, I wouldn't say it's not possible. The, the, some of the talent that he has, and I don't, I don't want to just forget how last year started. He looked unstoppable last year. But at the same time, now we're talking about last September and October. It, it's been a year, so the, you can't keep riding on that forever. Um, he has the talent when he's rolling to do things that almost no other quarterback in this league can do. You know, he's, he's not Patrick Mahomes with the arm, but he's, he's pretty good. And he can, he's not, maybe not, he's not Justin Fields with the running, but he's, he's pretty good. And so when you put it all together, I think they have a tremendous talent. I, you know, I, I wouldn't give up on him without seeing if it, if it came down to it, what another coach could do with him. I think you can't just, I mean, they can't give up on him now anyway, because they just gave him a quarter of a billion dollars, <laughs> but I, I still think there's something there, but it's been weird this year. The, the sort of hesitance to run, they rarely throw downfield. Like you, maybe they'll make a liar out of me on, on Monday, but you guys watch this. You, you will be surprised how little the Cardinals actually throw the ball down the field. And there's a lot of speculation here that that is Kyler Murray. Maybe he can't get through his progressions in time. Maybe he's not getting enough time. Maybe teams have sort of figured him out. The Rams certainly looked like they had figured him out in the playoffs last year. So there's questions now. Yeah, both teams had terrible playoff showings last year. Long gone are the days of Mac Jones for Rookie of the Year and the Hale Murray against the Bills. Thanks for that, by the way. <laughs> a couple of years back. Uh, it's kind of a must-win game. Primetime shine. Monday Night Football, 8-15 Eastern. The Cardinals need to show ownership in their fan base that they can make progress and they have the right guy calling the plays and also executing the plays. And for the Patriots, they need to do the exact same thing uh, for fan base and ownership as well as try to clear a path for playoffs postseason maybe not as likely though you never know in the nfc so luke i know you got to get to your show we thank you for the time what do you got monday night oh boy you know i will say this the cardinals played their best game of the season in their last game so i i i think this should be a close game um boy you know they're at home they have they've won one home game in the last calendar year so maybe that's not a positive i'm oh just gosh. basically giving myself cardinals therapy here on your air <laughs> I will we say I'm trying to talk myself into a win. So I'm going to say I'll say like 27, 24. Boy, I, I can't see them beating Belichick, though. I mean, there's so much more on the line for you guys right now. Yep. So I, I guess I'll lean Patriots. Wow. We've seen a lot of I can't pick against Belichick and then the other team and coach and quarterback have proved otherwise this season. It's just <laughs> it's the ultimate snow globe season for the Cardinals, for the Patriots and everyone in the NFL. Uh, he is the co-host of Wolf and Luke every day, 10 to 2 Mountain Time on 98.7 Arizona Sports FM. Give him a follow at Luke Lipinski. You can hear him on the Cardinals postgame show like you can hear your old pals Fitzy and Hart on the Six Rings postgame show on WEI-FM. Luke, thanks for the time, brother. Appreciate it very much, and hopefully we can hook up again in the future. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thank that you. was Behind Enemy Lines, and we are now on to Foxborough to talk to Paul Perillo from Patriots.com and give you what's going on with the Patriots.